Welcome to the Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. On this episode, I'm speaking with my friend Bob Shevlin, the co-owner, co-creator of Ushua Casa Hotel. Ushua is located in Trancoso, on the Atlantic coast of Brazil, in the state of Bahia, south of Salvador. On our first trip to Trancoso, we realized we'd be coming back. I recorded this interview in 2017, about eight months before I took my family to experience the place. If you've not been to Trancoso, put it on your list near the top. This place is magic. A fisherman's village from the 1500s on a bluff above an endless beach. Trancoso's heart is its quadrado, a grassy square fronted by a whitewashed church and surrounded on other sides by single-story, pastel-hued homes. The quadrado is Trancoso's community living room. It's where pickup soccer games occur, Weddings are celebrated, capoeira is practiced, and horses graze. On today's episode, we talk with Bob about how tourism has helped preserve the special culture of Trancoso, specifically about how Ushua Casa Hotel, by remaining small scale, has helped preserve the spirit of Trancoso. So without further delay, Bob Shevlin. Bob Shevlin, welcome to the podcast. Bob, thanks for joining us. Hi, John. Happy to be here. Friend, where are you today? I'm in Trancoso, on the edge of the rainforest here in the south of Bahia, Brazil. Yeah, one of my favorite towns in Bahia. It's my favorite. Um, Bob, you're the, I think, you know, half of the uh, creative genius uh, and, and a co-owner, founder, with your partner, uh, Wilbur Das, of Ushua Casa Hotel in Trancoso, which, uh, you know, if you do a quick Google search, you'll see you guys are, are appreciated by just about every design magazine there is. And uh, Thank a, you. A, a favorite of many travel magazines, too. Yeah, I appreciate you calling me half of the uh, creative uh, uh, that was aspect here. That was generous. My partner is a designer, Wilbur Doss, and he was uh, top of the game in the fashion world for many years. And he, down here, he's he's got to be probably 99% of the creative uh, input here. Uh, not 99%, but, but he, he brings a lot of creativity out of the local artisans and the craftsmen he works with. And I give just a little bit. I'm maybe a little more uh, storyteller, and uh, I'm very involved in social uh, projects, uh, and uh, Wilbur supports that very much, so we're kind of a perfect partnership. Right. The first time I visited the hotel, I don't know, this was probably six years ago, seven years ago, 
with my wife, uh, Wilbert took us around and he was on property. And one of the things we'll never forget is that he was living in a room for a month. Then he was moving to another room for a month. And every time he went to a room, he was inspecting it and checking it for what could be done to improve the room. And many of the improvements he was making were also making use of local materials or local artisan work. Yeah, you, you know, I will say that that goes back to the root of this this project, that that uh, style he have of, of going in all the different houses we have. We've got 11 of them uh, and changing them all the time because the, the original appeal of coming to Trancoso was, if, if you want some backstory, uh, was that we were working in the fashion world uh, back uh Quite a, quite a few years ago, Wilbur started. I think he started as a designer in 1988. And uh, by 92 or 93, he was creative director of an Italian fashion company. Uh, and I came and began working there with him, I think, about 95. Uh, and in those years, fashion had seasons. There was this wonderful uh, concept of a spring-summer season and a fall-winter season. And in between, you had nice, you had nice breaks. It was a great, a great lifestyle to be in the in the fashion world then. So we would spend a couple months every year traveling to, we're looking for paradise really all around the world. And uh, we both also like a lot architecture and furniture design. And we began to get in the habit of. Uh, when we could scrape together a little bit of, of savings, we would always put it into buying old properties in different parts of the world that inspired us and places that needed a little bit of, of uh, love and uh, a little bit of a, a, a restoration. And we began doing restoration projects around the world. Uh, not It was not intended really to be a business or anything other than uh, a way to take our minds out of this very fast ephemeral fashion world into a different kind of creativity, which is a little more permanent. And that traveling around the world and kind of looking for, for paradise places, uh, that brought us to Trancoso eventually. And normally our routine was always to visit these little places in the world and, and not go back. But Trancoso was the first place, uh, not go back, not go back in the sense of not stop looking for new places. So you restore a house or a property and just kind of move on. But Trancoso has a really particular appeal, which is that until about 25 years ago, this town, which dates back to about 1550, uh, it was pretty much cut off from the rest of Brazil and the rest of the world. There was no roads connecting it. Uh, there was not electricity. And until this 25 years ago, things that they needed in Trancoso, they were making. Uh, and this being a place where, of course, Brazil, you have spectacular wood. Uh, they were doing amazing work with wood. Uh, they're also doing nice things with ceramics, uh, with textiles, but everything made by hands and, of course, made in a very organic way because they were using only materials they had here and also doing a lot of recycling because when you don't have a, a flow of, of 
prime materials and merchandise coming into into your your place where you live, you tend to get pretty creative with recycling. Right. So Makes sense. We started with uh, with uh, getting a home here, a little simple kind of you you know the style of the homes here. I can best describe as as if you would give a five year old a, a pen and a piece of paper and say design a house. Uh, that's kind of what <laughs> you have with the little simple houses of the village. And did you let the kid color the the house? And let the kid color the house because they like color here. Yeah. But these simple homes were uh, very inviting for us to to restore. And then once we started working, tapping into that artisanal skill, which here, I got to say, you know, this is a remote and small place, but the artisanal skill level is, is, is world-leading. World but it's because they never lost this skill. They were actively, just very recently, kind of having to be very self-reliant and make everything they wanted. And because it's Brazil, because it's a place where they they also have a sense of beauty, they have a sense of, of liking things to be nice, they were making beautiful things. And Wilbur and I started restoring one house, and we just kind of got off on this process, totally non-industrial, totally handmade, and with really fun really creative and, uh, and very joyous, joyous people, Brazilians. So we started one house, did another and another. And these houses were, were just uh, in, a, in a very simple condition welcoming this, this kind of restoration. And we never really stopped. And so Wilbur's process of constantly kind of reinventing these, these houses is because we're still collaborating with those artisans today. We have a, a line of decor called Ushua Casa, and we're just constantly making new ceramics, pillows, uh, uh, hang wall treatments, new furniture out of these recycled materials, organic materials, and Wilbur's constantly moving them around and redecorating, rechanging. So the hotel, probably if you come back now, since you haven't been in a few years, you're going to find that the houses all have a different flavor than when, when you were here. And this I, I, I quite like. It's a, it's a unique hotel, and we should explain to people, and, and you know, we should spell it too. It's U-X-U-A. So it's a unique hotel in that they kept each of the houses they purchased and renovated, which are all located near the main square of this town from the 1500s. Um, and they're loosely connected. You know, they're sort of connected by garden and, and a bit surrounded by perimeter wall, but also open to the main square. And so you can rent a house, and each house has its own, its own character. One of them is built up in a tree. One of them has a rooftop plunge pool, but each one has its own flavor, its own desirability. Bob, how how did you take that concept? I mean, at some point you had several houses, and you must have had friends in fashion or art that were wanting to come and visit, and you started renting the place out to them. Is that right? Yeah, you 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 spent time with Wilbur because you know the history well. Uh, that's exactly how the evolution occurred. When we, when we expanded from doing one house to a couple other houses, 
we kind of had to justify it in our own minds. Uh, well, what are we doing? Uh, we don't need two houses. We don't need three. And the idea uh, kind of came to us that because it's such a stimulating place, the Troncoso is a visually stimulating place, and I, I would say you know, kind of spiritually stimulating because the people are, are so welcoming and so without judgment that you, you know how, how Bahia is. You've been here yourself. Mm-hmm. They are kind of pure people in the sense, not that they, they don't follow any particular religion strictly and they don't, uh, they're not dogmatic towards any particular belief of anything except that you should accept and welcome people. And this is very good for the soul. So Wilbur and I had this sense that if we have multiple houses here, we could have kind of a creative, uh, a little creative utopia for our friends from the design world. I have a lot of friends who are, are out in, in Los Angeles, uh, uh, in the creative industries also, writing, making movies, doing music. For creative people, we thought this could be really a utopia, to come for a couple months as our guests, just our friends, and, and stay and, and get, their, get their energies uh, back. Uh, as we expanded even more, and it becomes six houses, seven, then I just kind of asked this practical question, maybe we should rent the houses out. Uh, it, it, it became a little bit of a, of an inevitability in a way, because of course you have to start having local people work with you and, and keep the houses and the gardens. And it kind of became a hotel on its own before we realized it was a hotel. Uh, and what you said about this aspect of, of not really having walls around it, is, this is really the key thing that also made me want to make it a hotel. Because the thing that I miss when I when I travel a lot in hotels is that I don't feel so much like I'm having the experience of the destination. I feel like I'm having the experience of a hotel guest in, in many parts of the world and not really living the, the village life. And obviously a lot of people rent houses in the world to have that, that uh, village feel. But for me, to tell the truth, uh, uh, I, I like the services of a hotel. I like the pampering, and I like the human contact of a right. hotel. I really prefer to meet people, local people, talk to them, uh, rather than stay in a house on my own. And, and uh, uh, I want to feel the, the chance to connect with people. So this morphed into a hotel, but one that is set completely in a harmonious way within the village, which I think is what makes it distinct. There's no signage. The houses just look as if they are houses of the village. If you don't know they're there, if you don't know that is Ushua, you'll just simply think these are homes of Trencozo. And that feeling for me is the kind of magic, that's the magic spot for for us, is that you can kind of have a, a village experience and in uh, Trencozo when you stay on the town square in a home. And that, that obviously that, that worked. I think people are really looking for authenticity uh, in traveling now. So from the moment we opened, it, it kind of clicked. It found, its, it found its audience very, very quickly. And still today, we always really emphasize keep everything authentic. Don't try to control 
the experience of every guest in the way that some hotels will want to. I want people to come and stay as if they have a friend uh, living in this town and they're just visiting and staying with friends and they can explore it uh, uh, in the same way somebody who lives here explores the town, walking around, meeting people. And it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt that these are the friendliest people in the world. They kind of do our job for us, as you will probably recall. Uh, nobody is a stranger in a place like Turncoso. Everyone is happy for a chat and a smile, and uh, that, that makes it pretty easy to do hospitality work here. It was even uh, to the point that we were invited in a wedding uh, just because <laughs> we happened to be there on the on the quadrado. Um, very welcoming, very warm. And it does feel in some ways like a homestay if if you were staying in the home of someone who had a uh, a, just a very rare design ethic and uh, you know who also happened to be a, a master refurbisher of of found you know goods because you know you, Wilbert will see a, a bucket or a a part of a boat and make a lamp out of it or something or a log and make a desk out of it that, you know, you, you, you'd aspire to own and he'll do it in a weekend with a local craftsperson. The, the vibe now I, I have to say was has even evolved a little bit. What we did in the last year and a half or so, and I'm really happy with this and like everything here, it just kind of happened organically. Uh, Wilbur, uh, had been looking to find somebody who was still doing the traditional weaving from here. They were they were weaving their own their own fabrics here. They were making all kinds of things. They were making clothes. They were making sails. Wilbur found a guy, and this is very much a kind of the typical story. Like Wilbur found the builders here who who were starting maybe a little bit when we got here to get away from the traditional building methods, and Wilbur brought them right back into it. And, and now that is, that is really the way to build homes now, is the traditional way. Wilbur arrived at a kind of a key moment in the town's history where it could have, it could have begun to transition into a more modern, uh, contemporary way of, of construction building. And Wilbur came in and really identified those artisans and, and uh, celebrated a bit uh, what they were doing made sure they understood that they're still relevant and that people will really want this kind of work. And, and now that's really the, the, the standard in the town is to use the traditional materials uh, for building. And Wilbur now has extended it because we've got the homeware, the home decor line. Wilbur was looking for a weaver and he met a guy who was actually working as a waiter. Uh, and Wilbur said, uh, to this guy, uh, his name is Evandro. He said, someone told me that your family is the best weavers, uh, but you work as a waiter now. Do you still know how to weave? And the guy said, oh, I have, I have a loom in my house and I still do it for, for my friends. I make things for my friends and my family. And this was just this great, uh, uh, coincidence. Uh, we got a chance to meet the guy and we just got his loom put it inside the hotel, and he became an employee, and now he is in here weaving every day and inside the hotel. So we've got now two looms inside and a ceramic wheel and some people also working with soaps. Uh, 
but inside the hotel gardens. So that evolution uh, from when you were here, it felt like homes always, but now it really feels almost kind of community within a community because you have people actually in here working on these traditional crafts. And it's a very... We don't explain it a lot. So the guests kind of just come in and they're walking through these beautiful gardens and find somebody weaving. And it's kind of a a surprise, you know, if you've come to what you heard is a a luxury hotel uh, and there's people in here making ceramics and weaving. But I love that because it feels like feels oh. like you're in the village. Yeah. In yeah. a, a, a real village in the old, old Trancoso. And that evolution, I really, really like, uh, of, of showing the craft uh, uh, process and the people to the visitors. And, of course, all the artisans here, they're all colorful. You know, they're wonderful people. So the best thing that can happen is for uh, uh, some guests to ask them what they're doing or what they're making because there's going to be a friendship, for sure. Bringing that that artisanal process into the hotel gardens uh, and giving it the kind of life of craft people working, that, for me, is... This is really my, my dream project, in that sense. I really like to not just have the hotel be this museum of beautifully made artisanal things, but actually let it be a process of artisanal things. And, and now it's uh, this pro- this products are available on your your website, right? Yeah, there is there is the ushua.com, that's the hotel, and there's also ushua casa. ushuacasa.com is where we have the furniture and this home decor. The so furniture u x u a c a s a.com. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And those, this is a very much, I would say this is the opposite of your trend of, of e-commerce and convenience. I guess my friend told me Amazon in New York now, you can have your orders same day of some things. And it, it made me laugh because if we make a big piece of furniture for somebody here, or a bed, for example, made out of an old boat or something, uh, that is... I can guarantee you will not get a a delivery date promised to you. And uh, you can get pictures along the way, but that will get made as it gets made. It might be six months. We're doing the kind of, uh, it's the luxury of waiting when you do artisanal stuff. The small things like bags and blankets, of course, those we we have. But there's people who want to order uh, real furniture pieces made here. And those are made they're made as they're as they're made. These local craftsmen they have to source the materials and they they do things in their own in their own time and it depends on the the fishing season. Uh, sometimes the crops, sometimes family thing, new baby in the family. So it's really the opposite of this uh, see it and buy it uh, process of, of the world. Even fashion now you can buy right off the runway. We are going in another direction here. <laughs> Uh, the luxury of waiting, that's what I say. It, it seems to me you, you've opened up a restaurant, too, if I'm not wrong, that's available to non-hotel guests, right? I mean, anybody can come in now and enjoy a meal at part yeah, you of the restaurant. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had not realized you, you didn't see the restaurant. That really was that was the one thing that I had about the hotel which gave me a kind of a, of a conflict. 
we made the hotel so that inside the grounds, it's it's really quiet. There's no public bars or restaurants inside the hotel itself. You recall, it's a really uh, a jungly, quiet atmosphere within the gardens of the hotel. But as the Ushua name spread around a bit, of course, you had people coming to, to Trancoso with a curiosity uh, to to see this Ushua. But the hotel itself was this closed property. We had a beach bar, which is which is one thing. It's very nice. But there were a lot of people kind of hungry to satisfy the curiosity of what is the Ushua and the design and the, the style. So we had the chance to open a restaurant facing the town square. We ended up getting another one of these little houses. And I jumped on that because that gave us a chance to have a public face on the town square, so people who are curious about Ushua, they can come, they can see the design. We, we make, of course, everything there, all of the cutlery, the, uh, all of the, the plates. The, the whole thing is this Ushua story uh, with a lot of recycled materials. So people have a chance to, to interact with, with Ushua without staying in, in the hotel. The hotel is, is it's often full. It's not always easy to, to get in, but nobody... Uh, needs to miss interacting with Ushua if they come to Chancozo to have a meal. And the restaurant is very nice because, uh, of course, we're small. We're a small place. It's a very boutique kitchen. So we're just doing a lot of seasonal, very healthy, very local kind of uh, cooking with a little touch of international, I'd say a little bit of healthy international influence because as you know, the hippies rediscovered Trancoso in the in the 1970s. They're the ones who kind of reintroduced Trancoso to the world. So the people here, the native people, they tasted quinoa and brown rice before they had potato chips, uh, which is kind of funny. They were drink, they were eating uh, uh, homemade yogurt from the the hippies before they were getting Coca Cola. So there is this kind of health food tradition a little bit in Trancoso, and that is perfect to, to merge with the Bahian traditional uh, spicy Bahian food, which I don't know if you remember, but it's, it's heavy and spicy, uh, really. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm thinking it's of peppers, and I'm thinking of coconut and dende. and uh, Exactly. Exactly. It's wonderful food, but that is made for people who are working outside 14 hours a day and uh, and uh, very spicy. I got to say the, the African slaves were bringing over spices from West Africa. And this is the region of Brazil where those spices stayed in in the diet. And they still really love that stuff. So it's nice to introduce a little bit of the lighter. Uh, I, I, I don't think hippie food is the, the is the technical term, but uh, but there's that route. The first restaurant in Turcoso, probably you didn't know this. The first restaurant in Turcoso was a microbiotic cafe. Thirty years ago, yeah, I, I still smile at that. Somebody opened a microbiotic cafe here. Before a sandwich shop or a hamburger place, uh, it was a it was a uh, macrobiotic cafe, which is still open. It's a wonderful restaurant called Capim Santo. You know, I've eaten there, uh, but I didn't know that's how yeah. it started. But um, this is the a town that when you when you when you're there, I mean, everything's sort of casual. You're as likely to eat outside under a banyan tree with 
lanterns in the branches as you are to eat, you know, at a, at a linen tablecloth inside. And there are great restaurants even down on the beach, including your beach bar and some of the beach bars like the one that, well, there's, there's a great little shack at, at uh, Praia Espel, right? Right. Yeah. It's Sylvania. It's a wonderful meal. Sylvania. Yeah. On the wooden, still cooking on a wooden stove out there on a beach, in a beach shack, cooking on a wooden stove, doing her Bahian, uh, it's a bit of a uh, confluence of Indian, uh, because she loves Southeast Asia, uh, and Bahian flavors. That's so a really unique meal. The local food, great in Trancoso, but you've had these waves, like you mentioned, of hippies and then you know, fashion people, thanks to you, largely. How is it that this magical place, right? It's, it's a beach town. It's a fisherman town up on a bluff overlooking some amazing beach that stretches on just for kilometers in each direction. And, you know, there's no such thing as, as privacy at the beach like you find it in Trancoza. You can walk for, for miles and not see anyone or maybe one guy on a horse. How is it that a place like this has not been uh, adversely affected by the waves of, uh, let's call it immigration? It, this is a lucky circumstance here. This is a really lucky circumstance. There's no doubt about that. The fact that it was so isolated so long obviously was a, a, a small miracle. Uh, and that the first people to kind of rediscover it was hippies and not developers. Uh, that's, that's fundamental. Uh, in the 1970s in Brazil, you had a, a, a military um, a regime running the country. The young Brazilians were not very happy in the cities, and all of them were dreaming about getting away somewhere and getting out of the, checking out of the, of the society. And... They started to move to Trancoso, and those hippies connect, had connections with the hippies from around the world, and they started arriving here, the kind of the, the hippie tour, I guess, uh, for, for India and Nepal and uh, uh, Kathmandu and Trancoso. You know, they were, this was on the map a bit for the hippies. Yeah, the first arrivals here from the outside were hippies. The local people actually nicknamed them clowns. They called them birabandos. They thought they were clowns. Uh, but because the, it's kind of fu- funny, there's there's even a book here called Nativos and Birabandos, and it's all about that first contact between the local people and these uh, these clowns, the hippies. But the nice thing here is that because of the particular culture of, of Bahia, there is not really the sense of outsiders here. So if somebody comes here and settles, uh, by settle I mean stays a day or two, they're already considered a part of the community. There is this real sense of welcoming here. You know, by, by, your, third, by your second day here, you have a nickname by your third or fourth day, there's uh, you've got lovers, and if not, there's gossip that you have them. You know, it's, <laughs> you can integrate in the community very quickly in Bahia. Those hippies were fundamental because they're also a bit uh, environmentally minded, so they helped 
influence also the natives who had their own sense of, I would say, uh, tradition and and uh, preservation. Remember that this is a town that for 500 years followed that Portuguese colonial model of church overlooking the sea and about 50 little uh, like dollhouses around the square, and the native people over those five centuries never deviated from it. They never, and that one family maybe was a little more uh, prosperous than another, but nonetheless, they never bought the neighbor house and combined them. They never right. put a second floor on the house. They, they always, built a bigger garden, maybe. They respected, you know, they, they would build. A, a nicer fishing boat or something, but the town square, they liked it the way it was. It was a kind of an in, intrinsic sense of preservation and tradition that was just in their soul. They didn't need any government to tell them, uh, you have to keep that. They didn't need UNESCO. They did it on their own. The hippies came and probably did something which I think uh, the natives would not have been prepared to do, uh, but the natives understood a little bit maybe the threat of of the modern world and what that can do. So the natives did one, uh, the hippies did one thing uh, together with the natives, which was fundamental. They blocked the town center from car traffic. That was, I think, just a brilliant uh, decision, which they did. I don't know how long they, they uh, uh, discussed it or labored over it, because it was probably fairly easy. The fact that nobody had cars at the time made it a pretty easy thing to do. Probably wouldn't be so easy now uh, to, to do that. But they blocked the town center from cars. And also they put it, kind of began to develop this kind of grassroots environmental thing here. So there was always pressure on any outsider who came here and maybe was going to build a house on a beach or something. There was always this pressure not to disturb the beauty and the tradition of the place. So the homes that did get built in the beach, they're all built back in the rainforest. They're not visible from the sands. There's almost a wall of nature separating the beach from the development. And this this is one of those places that I would argue that the best location is away from the beach, up on the town, because this quadrado, this main square, it's so alive. There is a church there that's used every day, and people are riding horses or playing soccer or practicing capoeira on the main lawn, really. It's the, it's the communal lawn uh, that is the yeah, quadrado. To give a sense, it's, it's 400 meters. You know, it's like it's huge. a huge grassy town square full of horses grazing, and chewing grass and kids playing soccer. And, and I agree completely with you. Troncoso is the place where the soul is the town square. And it's a privilege to be able to stay today in this modern time in a, in a center of a village that still feels, basically, it feels like it did 100 years ago, uh, 200 years ago on that square. And the beaches are wonderful. And I think I think uh, Troncoso has spectacular beaches. But there's beaches in the world. Uh, the, the allure here for me, uh, for, for most people, is this town square that somehow survived also the arrival of, of tourism without changing even minimally its atmosphere. That, that's the key, you say victory, uh, I don't know. But you have to say this is, this is uh, inspiration for a lot of people in the preservation 
movement uh, in, in the world. This is an inspiration because it's a thriving, functioning uh, niche of tourism, of this kind of high-end cultured tourism, and it's very successful without compromising the environment. That, that's the thing I'm proudest of here. It's so it's so rare to find a place where anyone can feel at home. I mean, you know that we've sent you, we've sent clients there who, you know, have to be careful with their privacy and and maybe are trying to escape from notice um, or, or fame, and they've come there with some skepticism and said, "Well, we'll see. I wonder how long before this goes." the wrong way. And they've been able to enjoy themselves perfectly as people uh, without uh, without any harassment. I remember very well, John, I don't know if I ever told you, but you sent, you sent a pretty important celebrity down here. And I remember meeting her. It was by coincidence because I, I tend not to introduce myself uh, to a celebrity guest. I, I will introduce myself to anyone, but I kind of have the sense sometimes the celebrities... They, they really want to be left on, on their own. It's, it's my sense. It's usually wrong. I usually end up discovering they're very outgoing, and that that's how they became so uh, famous in, in the arts or entertainment. Uh, uh, but I ended up meeting her, and she was in a headdress uh, going out to the Quadrado, sunglasses and a headdress, <laughs> as if she didn't want to be spotted in Soho or, or something. And, it was really lucky that I happened to meet her on her first day and understand her her vibe, her thing of, of paparazzi. And I just said, trust me, you're in the place where no steps, no evasion is necessary. Be yourself. Uh, enjoy it. This is one of those places where uh, you can be a local. You can really be a local. And by the end of her stay, you know, that was really, that was pretty gratifying. She ended up being at all the parties of the town, the parties of the town participating with just living a normal life. And that was very, very nice. Trencoso offers this uh, now, which it's really hard to get in, in, the, in the world where anybody can come and merge in in a, in a natural way. No one here is very starstruck, I, I got to say. Uh, it's, this is a place where I think the key, the key uh, mood that you would describe is just relaxed. Nobody gets too excited or hysterical over anything other than maybe music. Music brings it out in people, but um, they're not celebrity worshippers in this part of the world. While we're on the topic of celebrity, I I think we need to mention that you're now managing the house of a friend who's also there because he finds it a place where he can relax and enjoy himself in an unusual way for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He very much. Yeah, he very much is that, 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 as we described before, somebody who in other places probably has a bit of a self-consciousness uh, because he's recognizable. And in the world, you know, being recognizable is not always a, is a pleasure. <laughs> Everybody wants to disappear into a crowd sometimes and, and perceive things the way everybody else is perceiving things and not have to 
not have to be uh, on guard in any way, socially on guard, let's say. Uh, here, that's that's really what what he likes. Is just did you help? Able, did you help create yeah. his home there? Yeah, you know what? That's a, that's a funny story. If I got time to tell it, because. He was a client here, coming for uh, a few times. As I told you, I, 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 when there's a celebrity uh, in-house, let's say, and we use the, the industry jargon, if there's a celebrity in-house, I, I tend to really give them space. Uh, I don't impose, I don't presume anybody has a, a dream to meet me, so I just stay, stay on my own. Uh, so he had been here quite a few times before I really spoke with him. And, and when I did, uh, and he's a kind of quiet gentleman, really surprised me. Very high profile guy, but kind of like old school manners from another era. And he, he kind of expressed to me one, one time that he would love to ha- be a part of the community, have a home or something. And so I began looking for something for him. And he likes this town square. And uh, as you recall, there's like 50 homes here and that's it. The, the, the town square itself is, you can't multiply these old homes. Uh, and he definitely, he didn't want to be on the beach. He didn't want to be outside town. He wanted to be on the town square. As luck would have it, one of these older houses uh, that had been bought by a hippie sometime and, and uh, stayed in this hippie family for like 20 years was for sale. I got in, in the, the touch with them and negotiated and came to an agreement with them that he was going to have a house on the other side of the Quadrado opposite the hotel. And uh, our friend had sent the money down, done all the details, everything to have this house, was very excited. I'd been sending him pictures daily. And one day, the people selling the house, they just stopped answering my calls. <laughs> uh, and this is Brazil, so things sometimes are a little bit crazy, you know. Uh, uh, and I pursued them and pursued them. It took me a couple of weeks, and finally I, I tracked them down. I said, what, what, what's happened? Do you don't want to sell the house anymore? And they said, no, we, we, we already sold it to somebody else. And that was... That was just like a blow to my stomach. But I know this is Brazil. Crazy things happen. But you and I can appreciate that our friend is is in a position, of course, to if they said they wanted another offer or something, he probably would make it. But this is Trancoso. Things happen the way they happen. These people were not looking for more money. They just decided to sell to a friend of the family or something. And that was it. I was very, very devastated by this process. But because this is a magical place, within... Two days, a piece of land very near the church on the town square, one of the last little bits of rainforest that had a, a structure on it that had fallen down many years ago, has never been for sale. That came for sale. And I ended up just immediately saying to them, I buy this piece of land. I'm going to buy it. Let's close the deal. Close that in one hour. And I told our friend that this had come up. I said, if you don't want that, I, I will take it. I'm going to make my own house there. But he immediately... He immediately jumped on that, and he ended up getting what I think is probably one of the nicest little lots of land you could have in, in South America. It's yeah. Yeah. 40 meters from the church. It's got, it's really, it runs from the town square into the rainforest. So from his front, he views the kids playing football, and from the back, his social area, his pool, 
he's watching the monkeys swing on trees and the parrots and he's, so it's on the mark. side where you walk down to Brian Achivos to your beach club it's on exactly. that side exactly yeah exactly if you walk from our place you will pass in front of it just before the fisherman's trail that goes down to the beach mm-hmm. and it's it's a wonderful house he really is in love with it and we're in love with it because he's the kind of dream client he knows that we like to do things by hand and we like to work with artisans and and i'll be honest you with you we we like to also pay well to the artisans our our work here is also about making people want to be artisans that's that's part of our goal here is to let the artisanal crafts be really good jobs here to pay very well so the young people instead of dreaming of opening a t-shirt shop or something they're going to want to learn from the grandfather carving or ceramics but this is a dream client because he's totally in line with us and he said okay do do it to the maximum limit of what you can do in a in a artisanal way using recycling all the principles that we like he did it full stop, and the house become the house become quite famous. It's a, it's in all the design magazines and covers, and and we rent that out. He likes it to be used for the community, and it generates a lot of income. Also, goes back to charity projects here, and it's a very very popular home. I think it's that's one of the iconic homes of South America now, really. You know, like you say, it's been a minute. We haven't been there for a while, so I, I think you remember we're coming next year. We're bringing our kids, so get ready. Got, get the, get got the dogs it. ready. You got to see the house. Yeah, the dogs will be ready. Everything will be ready for you. Uh, if you got, you know, last time you were here, I never took you guys out on the trails or anything. So if you come this time, we've got a bit more time. We can walk from the town out into the rainforest and the woods where I take the dogs running every day. That will yes. be inside of Trencozo for you to see. Let's explain to everybody listening. Your accent is really unusual. It's sort of, uh, I, I, it might surprise people to know you grew up in Ohio. Yes, I am a Buckeye. I am a Buckeye. <laughs> I really am a Buckeye, and I still have a twin brother in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm still a huge Ohio State fan. I'm the a Ohio Cavs State. fan. The Ohio State University. I love the Cavs. Uh, I love White Castles. I still have my Midwest roots. But when I was 20, you know, since I was a kid, uh, I was a little kid growing up in, in the north end of Columbus, Ohio, and took my bike. I was with my mom at a shopping center one time, and I passed my first travel agency that I ever saw in my life, John. You might think this is a, a funny story. My first time I'd ever seen a travel agency. My family, we were pretty humble means we didn't do a lot of traveling. We went to Cedar Point Amusement Park every summer and one time to visit an uncle in Florida. Uh, So I didn't even know what a travel agency was. But I walked by this place that had all of these amazing pictures uh, of posters from places around the world. And it stuck, stuck in my mind that that looked pretty exciting. So uh, another day, I took my bicycle, and I rode back to the shopping, mental, uh, shopping mall, which was far outside my geographic limits as a kid. So I was breaking the rules. You were AWOL. But I, yeah. I was AWOL. I think I was about eight years old. <laughs> and I parked my bike outside, and I went in. I'm sure they realized I was not the typical client uh, coming in. And I asked them 
I said, hey, these posters you have on the walls, what do you do with them when you're finished with them? Uh, and they said, well, we throw them away. And I said, well, maybe could I have them instead of you throwing them away? And these people, they were just saints. They were so nice. They said, well, why don't you give us your address? And I gave them my home address. And about a week later arrived a huge box of travel posters of there was the Great Wall of China and Mykonos and uh, Whistler, uh, Vancouver. And my bedroom from when I was about eight years old was all travel posters from all around the world. So my travel destiny was set then. I wanted to see the world. So when I got out of high school and I went to Ohio State, I always had in the back of my mind, I'm going to live outside the U.S. This is, this is going to happen at some point. And after I finished university, I, I started working in the pharmaceutical industry, realized very quickly that was not the adventure that I was looking for. And I just packed up very naively one day, set off to Italy of all places and said, I'm going to work in the fashion industry. This was my very, uh, I'd say, poorly detailed, uh, naive plan. But somehow it worked. Don't know really how. Maybe the genius is in naivety sometimes. Uh, But I ended up getting the fashion industry, and I worked with Wilbur, in fact, 10 years. Everything I know about fashion, I learned from him. I I confess, you need a good teacher uh, in that world. And uh, then we've been collaborating ever since. So I lived in Italy. I lived in Italy about twenty years. So my accent uh, has taken on. <laughs> who knows what kind of tones in the? It's in kind the of like one of your dogs. That accent, you know, it's a little bit of everything. It's a it's a mix. But you know what? There is something. Uh, someone said to me one time here. <laughs> said you speak as if you're speaking to children. And, and I said, if you speak English to people who speak English as a second language for 30 years, it will change the way you speak English. I love it. I love it. Bob, you've been yeah. super generous I, with your time. I know, I know the dogs are waiting. I know the beach is waiting and the, get, the guests of the hotel. So thank you. Listen, I'll see you soon in Trancoso, right? Don't let me miss the chance also to say uh, good luck with your, your podcast and your new initiative. But let me say also thank you, because here uh, we're really lucky in Trancoso we get cultured travelers. Uh, people who are coming to Trancoso are, are looking for nature and authenticity. And so we don't get, uh, we, there's no place to, to park your yacht here or compare it. This is people really looking for authentic things. And they tend to be really wonderful people from around, around the world. But I want to say to you in particular, you sent us really wonderful clients, very wonderful people uh, to meet and to interact with the people here and leave a nice mark on the town. Maybe that's also why Trancoso is such a nice place because the travelers here who come here, they tend to be the most wonderful people of the world. It's a self-selecting group. It's a filter. 
And they leave, a, they leave a mark. I think, actually, if you ask a native person in Trencoso about New York or London, they, their idea is that it's all just wonderfully friendly people, very generous and very thoughtful, because those are the ones who come here. Uh, they come to Trencoso, that crowd of people. But for you, I want to say really thank you. You sent us really wonderful people, became friends, became friends with us. And, and that's, that's a nice gift you give to us. Oh, come so on. You're, you're a friend. It's always a pleasure to send friends to my friend's house. And I, I almost forgot to ask you, what in the world is a Ushua anyway? Nobody knows. Uh, you know, I should have said that. That's funny because you, you mentioned to the, to the listeners to Google the word UXUA. It's a really lucky word for us. Because everything you'll find in, in the Google of Ushua is related to us, because the word did not exist uh, outside of this part of Brazil before. Ushua is a, a word of the Patasho Indians who have a reservation. They've got, uh, uh, often we think of reservation as maybe being a kind of a, of a, of a, a sad uh, uh, situation. But More here like an autonomous area. Where they have here they've got 45 kilometers of beachfront. <laughs> and the only mountain uh, here, which is Monte Pascual, the first thing the Portuguese saw of the Brazilian mainland in 1500, and rainforest. They've got this beautiful territory down, down here, just south of Trencoso. When we came here, we were working with the Patasho Indians uh, on crafts. A lot of the lamps in the hotel, a lot of the light fixtures, we, we did weaving with wicker using them. And the Patasho, being here on the property, there was one in particular who's the son of the chief. His name is Hayo. And Hayo, uh, like all the Patasho, he knows every plant in the, in the Atlantic rainforest around here. And he came in our garden one day, and this property had been owned by hippies in the 1970s who had lived in India before, and they brought some orchids here from India. And those orchids are still growing in our garden. Hayo the Indian saw this plant that he never saw before. And he looked at it and he said, Ushua. And this, I learned from him, means wonderful. It means like marvelous. He'd never seen this orchid before. And he used that word. And they don't have a, a written language. So I had to take the Ushua. And uh, like Patasho, they have that sh, sh sound. And it's spelled U-X-U-A, and that ended up being the name for our hotel. So the origin story of the name is a very is a very nice one. And I, I love I love this word, actually. It means wonderful. There's there's a million stories down here, this part of the world. Great. Bob, thanks. Thank you. See you soon. Thanks, buddy. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you'd like to know more about custom travel in Latin America and the Antarctic, reach out to us at landedtravel.com. Since 2006, Landed's success has been built on word-of-mouth referrals. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. The Landed Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Bluffworks, makers of travel clothing designed to go the distance and help you focus on the journey ahead. See their catalog of travel clothing at bluffworks.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>